This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. Building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. The Lord directed me, well, I don't, I don't know how to say some of this stuff. Um, if I say it the way that I'm, I'm accustomed to saying it, some people will hear and I start getting emails and say, Pastor Mike, you said this, did, did God say that, or that kind of stuff. A lot of times when I say the Lord is directing me or, or things like that, I just mean something stirring on the inside of me. I don't know if I'm stirring it up or if God's stirring it up in me. And, and I don't really care. It doesn't matter to me. End result's what I care about. But But I've been stirred up. Let me just say it this way. I've been stirred up over the last, I don't know, couple of months. I, I changed the way I do things. I don't go to the office much anymore. First thing in the morning, I'll go down to the beach and walk for hours. I love it. it it's time where I get along with God. So somewhere since I started doing this, I began to pray. And I've been praying specifically for the people in our church that are sick. Or infirmed. Sick doesn't always mean, you know, disease, but some, some people we've gotten to church are, are experiencing the result of sickness or disease. And, um, and I'm just minding my own business, just, just praying as I'm walking along. And I heard these words kind of come out of my mouth. I've been praying in, in other tongues for a long time. And I heard these words come out of my mouth. Lord, I pray for everybody that is lame and palsied in our church. And when I heard those words, it really caught my attention. And so so now I've been praying that actively. I didn't intend to pray that. That was something that just came out of my spirit. But now I've been praying about that actively. And, um, well, I'm seeing a lot of things. And the more I pray for those that are lame and palsied in our church to be healed, the more and more I'm getting. Is there any reason for somebody in a wheelchair not to be healed? Jesus healed all that were sick. I don't know how many crippled people were in that group, but had to be some. It it says they brought to him. That indicates that not everybody could come on their own. Any reason why not? Now, folks, I know I'm getting into, into dangerous waters here. I get that. I can see the look on some of your faces. I mean, you, you can see people's collars tightening up. What's he going to do? I don't know. I don't have a plan. But um, but the more and more I've been praying about this, the more and more I've been seeing. God's been re- dealing with me a lot about anointings. Isaiah ten verse uh, chapter ten verse twenty seven. The last part of the verse says, "And the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing." The yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. Can I show you a couple of things? Look with me to Luke chapter ten. Or Luke chapter 9 first. Luke chapter 9. Notice what it says here in verse 1. Then he called his 12 disciples together and gave them power and authority over all devils and to cure diseases. How did that happen? Do you think Jesus was vague about this? I mean, for the Bible to tell us so specifically, is there any way that this would be vague where the disciples wouldn't know what he was really getting at? Now, the reason I'm saying that is because I want you to consider how much of the church world is so is in this gray zone where it comes to what God will do and what he won't do. Do you see from verse 1 any gray area whatsoever? Is it possible 
that it could have happened any other way than Jesus saying, okay, now guys, here, I'm transferring authority to you. I'm giving authority to you. I don't know if he laid hands on them. I don't know if they felt electric shock go through them if he did lay hands on them or if he just said, okay, from this point forward, each and each one of you 12 are going to have authority to cast out devils. You've got authority over all devils and to cure diseases. Now, when it says cure diseases, that implies to me, since he said cast out or, or since he said authority over all devils, diseases must be all diseases too. Because if he's giving them authority to cure diseases, what's he doing? He's saying, now, Peter, you've got authority over cripples. You've got authority, John, over cancer. Now, somebody over here, you've got authority over leprosy. Unless that was the case. And if that was the case, why wouldn't the Bible tell us they're all asking, "Who? what have I got? It has to be the same. He gave them authority over all devils and to cure diseases. In other words, he gave them authority over all sickness, all diseases, and all the devil's power. To cast the devil out of people, to set them free, to deliver them. Is it possible that it means anything other than that? Not if language means anything. So, he called his twelve together and gave them power and authority. Power and authority. Power and authority. He gave them ability and privilege. Rights. He gave them ability and the right to exercise authority over all devils and to cure diseases. And he sent them to do two things, to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. To preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Now, folks, what's their purpose? Is he giving them a ministry so that uh, so that they don't ever come back to him? Is he saying, okay, now you 12 guys have been with me long enough. You've seen me do stuff. From now on, I want you to go out into your own ministries. Is that what he's doing? Of course not. Well, if that's not what he's doing, what is he doing? He's commissioning them to go in his name to tell about him. These would be short-term mission trips. Now, the short-term mission trip is going to turn into a long-term mission trip as soon as he's raised from the dead. Now, let me stop here long enough to tell you this. The power and authority over all devils and to cure diseases could not have been a feeling. It's impossible. Because in Mark chapter 9, they couldn't make it work with the guy who brought his son who was possessed of the devil. This devil would throw him into the fire. Sometimes they'd throw him into the water to drown him, try to destroy him in any number of ways. They couldn't make it work. And they didn't know why it wouldn't work. So it couldn't have been a feeling. Because if it had been a feeling, they wouldn't have had to ask Jesus, why wouldn't this work? If it had been a feeling, then they would have said, you know, Jesus, we never felt it with him. Never did. Never felt it with him. So if it's not a feeling, what is it? It's them taking Jesus at his word that they have power and authority over devils and all diseases. Feeling can't have anything to do with it. It's impossible. Now turn with me over to chapter 10. After these things, the Lord appointed 70 also, other 70 also. And he sent them two and two before his face into every city and place where he himself would come. Then he said some things to him. I won't read the whole thing. Notice it says in verse 9, and heal the sick. One of the works that he commissioned them to do, it says, and heal the sick that are therein and say unto them, the kingdom of God is coming to you. 
So we know that healing is a part of the work that he sent the 70 out to do. Now, the, the 12 had a different commission than the 70 did. The 70 were to go two by two into cities that he was coming to. The, that was not given, that instruction was not given to the 12. The 12, he just says, go preach the kingdom of God and heal the sick. He didn't tell them, all right, here's where I'm going next, and so you go there. The 70, he did. The 70, he had some kind of itinerary planned. He said, okay, we're going to go from here to here to here, so you guys cover that territory and tell them I'm on the way. So it indicates that the 12 had a greater measure of ministry upon them than the 70 did. Can you accept that at least for consideration? Okay, verse 19 or verse 17, it says, And the 70 returned again with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. Now, if you go back and read the rest of the first part of the chapter, you'll find out not one word was said about the devil. Not one word was said about casting out devils. Yet they found that the same power and authority to heal the sick gave them authority over devils as well. They must have tried it on their own, even though Jesus didn't specify a devil. And when they tried it on their own, they found out, hey, this stuff works even over the devils. Lord, even the devils are subject to us through your name. So that tells us how they're using the healing authority that they have is through his name. And Jesus responds to the 70. Now, these 70 are just laymen, folks. You can't say that the 70 are given or commissioned to some kind of ministry office or ministry gift. If you made that argument with the 12, we'd at least have to consider that. But the 70 are just people that are hanging around. He says, okay, go tell people that I'm coming to the city. And while you're there, heal the sick. They come back and say, we didn't just heal the sick, Jesus. Your name has power to cast out devils. The devil can't do anything to us when we use your name. That wasn't a surprise to Jesus, but it was a surprise to them because it wasn't part of their specific assignment. So Jesus responds to them and says, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. He's not saying Satan fell when you used my name. He's saying Satan was cast out of heaven when he rose up with a third of the angels and thought that he could defeat God. Didn't work real well for him. You folks know how lightning falls from heaven, don't you? How it just floats down. You ever had lightning strike close to where you were? That's how Jesus said Satan fell from heaven. Then he said in verse 19, Behold, I give unto you a power. This word power is literally the word authority. Behold, I give unto you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Now, is he saying, now I'm giving you authority over the devil? No, they're coming back saying, we found out we already have authority over the devil. Jesus is just describing the authority that's in his name. The name of Jesus has authority over all the devil and over all the devil's power and nothing shall by any means hurt you. So the name of Jesus covers not only authority over sickness, it covers authority over the devil and over all the devil's power and divine protection. Nothing shall by any means hurt you. That's protection, isn't it? And nothing shall by any means hurt you. That means there's not one way that the devil can bring against you that using the name of Jesus, which is one of the keys to the kingdom of heaven, whereby we're supposed to reign in life. There is not one work of the devil, not one thing he can conjure up that will enable you to be hurt. That doesn't say you won't be attacked. It says it won't stay. It won't last. It won't have a lasting effect upon you. 
Join Mike Webb and Foothill Family Church every Sunday night at 6 p.m. for our weekly healing school. Healing school is for those who are in need of being healed from sickness in their body, as well as those who want to strengthen their faith in the area of healing. Faith begins where the will of God is known. Here's why the Word of God is the power of God, because it reveals God's will. When you can find God's words on a subject, whether it's healing, whether it's finances, whether it's peace, whatever area you have need of, you find what God's Word says, you've just found God's will in that area. Foothill Family Church is in Orange County at the corner of Bake Parkway and Lake Forest Drive, just minutes off the 5 Freeway. To learn more about how you and your family can connect with Foothill Family Church, simply log on to mikeweb.tv. Now, if the gates of hell shall not prevail against us, and God gave, Jesus gave his, his disciples authority here on the earth over all the, uh, over all devils and to cure diseases, if he gave the 70 authority to heal the sick, and that same power works as far as the devil is concerned, if he gave authority to the church through the gift of righteousness and the abundance of grace to reign in life, that would have to include reigning over sickness, wouldn't it? then how is sickness able to hold out? Jesus said that it wouldn't. He said the gates of hell, that means everything that's in the devil's territory. Sickness is in the devil's territory. Healing is a part of what Jesus accomplished that the devil is trying to wall off from the Christian, from the believer. To keep us from taking hold of. It's that which is inside the city of Jericho. And there's a wall that's set up between us and it. Well, what is that wall? That wall is the stronghold that the Bible says to pull down, which is wrong thinking. That's the only stronghold the devil has. It's the only way he can work. Yet the Bible says that built upon the knowledge of who Jesus is and what he's done, the gates of hell shall not prevail. Sickness, specifically, like we're speaking of at this moment, sickness shall not prevail against it. It cannot hold out. So, I'm back to my original question. Lord, what about the people that are lame and palsied in my church? Now, don't get me wrong, they're not the only ones I've prayed about. They're not the only ones I care about. I care about anybody that's sick. But they're certainly the most obvious example of sickness and disease, right? Or at least the effect of that sickness and disease upon them at one time in their lives. Right? What are we to do? How does this work? Well, it's real easy to think, well, certain people have gifts of healings. Peter, you look at the people Peter healed in the book of Acts, nearly everybody was lame or palsied. Doesn't say anything about blind eyes opened in Peter's ministry. And so it's real easy to start thinking, well, certain people have certain things, you see. And it's real easy to make excuses. You can even find scriptural support for your excuse. Doesn't mean it's right. But you can build scriptural excuses that support wrong thinking. But as far as God's concerned, is healing somebody that's crippled any harder than healing somebody that's got a headache? I mean, does God have to work extra hard for somebody that's crippled? But a headache's just an easy day? Folks, that's not the way it works. So, 
What are we to do with this? What does this mean? Turn with me over to James chapter 5. Verse 14 and 15. You know these verses? It says, is any sick among you? Let them call for the elders of the church. Now, the word sick means beyond doing something for themselves. P.C. Nelson, which was the foremost Greek authority in his day, said of this word sick, it literally means not just somebody that's infirm, not somebody that's, that's being attacked. It means, is there anyone among you that's in undergoing something beyond what they're able to take care of for themselves? See, we should all believe God for our own healing. But here where it says, is any sick among you, it literally means, is any of you beyond doing anything for yourself? We should take care of the things. We shouldn't run to somebody else for every little thing that comes up. We should know God enough and know his word enough to where we take hold of the things that we can by faith. But but just like in the situation where we're talking about people that are lame or palsied, those are situations that where they're going to need help with, and rightly so. That doesn't mean everybody has to. It doesn't mean everybody is, is required to, that God expects this of everyone. But God makes this available to somebody that gets in a situation that's too big for them to handle on their own. And that's what this is about. It's about helping somebody out of something that they can't get help for themselves. So it says, is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. Now, when it says any sick among you, is that qualifying anybody? I mean, the, the, uh, I started to say the converse. That's not the right word to use. But where it talks about is any sick among you, wouldn't that mean that whatever he's going to tell has to do with all those, has to do uh, concerning or pertaining to all those who are sick? Any and all are kind of interchangeable terms here. Because the any, mean, any means everybody, and the everybody certainly would have to mean all. So what he's giving us is he's giving us a plan for all that are sick in the church. Right? That means healing, if, if the answer he gives us brings healing, then healing is available for all in the church. So he says, is any sick among you, let them call, let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over them, them the elders, pray over them, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord and the prayer of faith shall save the sick. The prayer of faith shall save the sick. Now, I looked this up. Let me open up my thing here. This word save is the word, the Greek word sozo. It's used in a number of different ways. It's used three times as healed. It's used um, mostly for save and saved. But it's also used for well and is used as whole. It's used uh, in Mark chapter 5, verse, um, what is it, verse 35, I think it is, where Jesus said uh, to the woman with the issue of blood after she had been healed, it said, daughter, thy faith has made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. That's this word translated save in James 5.15. So we could say that this verse could be translated in the prayer of faith shall make whole the sick. Well, what would we understand by that? It's talking about healing, isn't it? Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. And Now, we could argue, and the church has argued. The church is good at arguing. But there's been big arguments about what makes up the elder. Well, folks, I don't want to get into the argument, but could we all accept that elder has to mean the pastor? If it doesn't mean the pastor, who does it mean? Paul appointed elders to be in charge of the churches when he'd leave town. Well, he's appointing people to do the work of pastoring. Now, since it took a while for people to be raised up into the ministry gift of the pastor, there were sometimes the older people that were chosen to be in charge, but they're doing the work of the pastor. So James, who is a pastor, talking to how healing should work in the church, and he's the only one that does, 
Paul tells certain things about healing and the healing work of Jesus. Peter tells certain things about the healing work of Jesus. But James is the only one that tells how healing should work in a local church. Because he's the only pastor that writes a letter. He's the only one. And as a pastor, he's saying, here's how healing should work in the local church. Healing, number one, should work for everybody. Certainly, you should be able to take healing for yourself in certain instances, but there are going to be certain times and certain situations where you're going to need help. And here's how it works for those. Let the individual call for the elders of the church. That's got to be the pastor. I believe it's the pastoral staff, but it certainly has to include the pastor. Has to. Which indicates that it has something to do with the anointing on the office of the pastor. Now that raises an interesting question. Folks, I'm just talking to you about things that God's talked to me about. But what's the difference in what James is saying and what Jesus said to the twelve where he gave them power and authority over all devils and to cure diseases? What's the difference? What's the difference? His word is declaring what the pastor's part is in healing the sick in the local church. His word declares what he gave to the apostles in Luke chapter 10, Luke chapter 9, I should say. Luke chapter 9, where it comes to ministering and delivering people and ministering to the sick. What's the difference? You know what the difference is? Our thinking. We think there's a difference because what Jesus delivered was of greater power, of greater value because he did it in person. Really? Paul said, we have access into this grace whereby we stand. Folks, if there's not something that I have as a pastor, I didn't, I didn't decide to come here. This was not my place to choose. I didn't even know about this place. I had to look it up on a map when God told me to go there. I had to look up on the map, see where I was going. God sent me here to start a church. Well, if there's not some kind of anointing that goes with that, what are we doing? But if there is, as we mentioned, Isaiah chapter 10, verse 27, the last part of the verse, and the, the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing, then that means there are bondages. There are things on the other side of the wall in Satan's territory that we can take hold of and break through the wall by the anointing that God places on certain people, individual offices, whatever the case is. Folks, if God's not going to help me, I don't want to do this. I don't really. Without the help of the Holy Ghost, I don't want to pastor. Without the help of the Holy Ghost, I don't want to be, even be in ministry. So is any sick among you, let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing with oil in the name of the Lord. Verse 15, and the prayer of faith shall save, heal, or make whole the sick. And the Lord shall raise him up. I've been praying. We've been praying a lot for, for several years in uh, prayer school about uh, Zechariah chapter 10 and verse 1. Ask if the Lord reign in the time of the latter rain. And he's, the Lord shall make bright clouds and give them showers of rain to everyone grass in the field. I recognize that that's a move of the Holy Ghost for the last days. I've been praying for, for an outpouring of rain. I, it's just been recently that I've recognized that I've been praying for a flood. And the Bible doesn't talk about flood. It says showers. Showers are scattered. Showers are intermittent rainfalls. And I've been looking for floods. I've been looking for a flood to cover the earth. 
Bible says the, the knowledge of the glory of God shall cover the earth like waters cover the sea. So I've been thinking floods. I've been thinking, oh, gosh, there's going to be something. No, there's not. There's going to be rain showers. There's going to be Holy Ghost outpourings. Bible said so all the time. I just had my own idea. Wrong thinking. But there are going to be outpourings of the Holy Ghost. Now, how does the Holy Ghost manifest himself? Well, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 tells us the Holy Ghost manifests himself in utterance, in revelation, and in power. So it would stand to reason then that we're going to have outpourings of the Holy Ghost or showers of rain. Then there's going to be showers of revelation. There are going to be showers or outpourings of utterance from the Holy Ghost. And there are going to be showers or outpourings of power. And much of that power has to do with healing power. Gifts of healings, working of miracles, and special faith make up the three manifestation gifts of the Spirit, or the three ways the Holy Ghost manifests himself in power. Well, it would stand to reason that those things are going to be poured out here and there. Not all the time, not every time we come together, but here and there, right? So I recognize that. I'm seeing these things all along as I go, and folks, this is not new revelation to me, but I'm seeing them in new ways. And so... I'm praying, okay, Lord, that's what we need. We need showers of rain. I need showers of healing power to heal the people that are lame and palsied in my church. Well, boy, I was happy with myself. Man, I'm on the right track. I've got Holy Ghost direction on how to pray now. And you know what the Holy Ghost said to me? He said, I've called you and anointed you to heal the lame and palsied in your church. Really? But what I'm telling you is very simply this. God's made a way. He has told us, here's how it works in the local church. He's saying to the pastor, James is writing to every pastor that ever pastors, if they're really called and and sent of God. He's saying to every pastor, you're the one, you're the means whereby, just like Jesus delivered anointing to the disciples and they went out, the twelve, just like he delivered an anointing to the seventy and they went out, he's saying, pastors, you're the one that's anointed to heal all that are sick in your church. I don't have healing power. No other man does either. But we have anointings. We have anointings. Folks, healing belongs to the church. There is not supposed to be in the church that Jesus is building. I won't just say intends to build. I'm saying is building. There is not supposed to be any sick in the church. Now, I don't pretend that I could take this to some other church and make it work because I'm not sent to another church. But I'm telling you this. I'm saying it by faith. And the more I say it, the more I meditate on it, the more sure I am. I'm telling you this. I can make it work here. Because this is where I'm sent. When Jesus was here on the earth, he gave his disciples authority to heal in his name. When he was raised from the dead, he sent them forth in his name to do the same healing works. We see all through the book of Acts, the disciples who then became apostles using the name of Jesus. And the apostles said that the power to heal was in the name and not in them. That authority to heal in the name of Jesus still exists today for you and I to use. This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. You're looking at the problems in your body or the problems in your finances. What do you see? So many people are waiting for God to do something on their behalf. 
and they've got the life of God in them all the time. How much more abundant does the life of God that caused you to be born again have to be for your situation to change? Join us Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Visit us online at mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word.